Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of thehappymd.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington, with the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. And I've got a real treat today because what I've got is a buddy of mine, Tom Davis, who's a family doc like me, who's also the co-founder of New Script dot app it's a support community for physicians in career pivots both clinical career pivots and pivots outside of clinical medicine and what we've been talking about is how do you provide a doctor who's burned out or struggling or want something better for their practice and their family how do you help that person get what they want in today's abusive medical gerbil wheel environment and specifically, what do you do if somebody needs to change from the crap job they're in right now, but they feel like they're stuck in one place? The topic today is location-independent work. And what I want to do is have Tom sort of like blow our minds <laughs> to give us some power to the people to get the fulfillment that you would like, the meaning and the purpose that you would like out of your practice without feeling like you have to do it under the conditions the man has got you in right now. So Tom, tell us a little bit about location-independent work. And I know you can come at it from any one of a number of different directions. I just want to hear the whole thing. <laughs> so it really all started out in my mailbox back in about uh, 2016. So I had been uh, working as a consultant in the telemedicine space for about five years. I was actually up in Seattle before you and I met rubbing elbows with some venture capital folks uh, doing some business consulting on another topic. And after a couple of drinks, these folks told me, again, this is back in 2011, that uh, they were spreading some money around the state capitals to try to broaden the practice authority for telemedicine because they represented some money that were going to build some telemedicine uh, services. And so it sounded like a good idea to me because most of the individual clinicians I was meeting with as a business consultant were just in horrible shape. And it seemed to me that if you could build a telemedicine practice as an independent contractor, as a 1099, there's just tremendous amounts of, of advantages to doing that. It would be a great bridge opportunity to move from the deadly treadmill to whatever second phase of your life is. Because as you know, Dyke, it's the mystery of making the move. It's the insecurity that really is a huge barrier to making a positive change, even when you know that the change is necessary to save your life. And so I figured that this was going to be a great tool. So I kept in touch with them. And as these telemedicine uh, organizations came online, I, I credentialed with them and I built my own telemedicine practice as an independent contractor. And then I used the internet to sell a course and sell some consulting expertise. And so I really did this kind of on the side. Uh, at the same time, I was a leader in a health system that my partners and I created. We sold that into the teeth of the Accountable Care Act. I had to work under a uh, personal service agreement for a few years with the folks who bought us. And I was experiencing employed medicine up close and personal, uh, almost as if it was a punishment from God for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, so I, I really separated myself from that before I completely lost myself. And 
I remember standing there at my mailbox in early August 2016 after having separated finally from my employer. And their policy was to send their last paycheck paper, at least at that time it was. So I sat there or I stood there by my mailbox, opening up this last letter from my employer, having my last paycheck. And I felt, even though I had a lot of stuff going on, I really felt it in my in the pit of my stomach. I thought, good Lord, what am I going to do now? Right. And if I had that feeling, having other things going on, I can't imagine what it's like for somebody who had nothing going on, who was burned out, squeezed uh, like a dry sponge, and having nothing else going on. So that's when I realized that I actually had to model location-independent medical practice and get online and have people take pictures of my ugly mug in different locations, doing telemedicine in a completely HIPAA-compliant way, and really walk in the walk, showing folks that they could earn the same amount of revenue as the average FP in half the time. And the reason that they could do that is because there's no BS. And there's no prior loss, there's no pre-search, there's no corporate responsibilities. Uh, there's a few hours to keep up your license, uh, a little uh, compliance, uh, that's a couple hours of compliance activities, and that's it. You sit down, you take a call, you cash the check, you move on. And with that decreased friction in between each encounter, in between each day, your productivity goes through the roof. And again, this is an artifact of our current healthcare system. Our healthcare system so, uh, is so inefficient and everything gets larded on the shoulders of the providers that, uh, that we rarely spend more than half of our time actually generating revenue for ourselves. Right. And once you get out of that system, Dyke, uh, it's, it's tremendous. And the best part is, as long as you're HIPAA compliant, you can go down to Key West. You can go up to Alaska. You can go to Ischia in Italy. If, uh, if your organization permits it, you can go to Iceland. Uh, you can. Go well, hang on a second. Let's before anybody gets lost. Let's let's get a little bit granular here about what you're actually talking mm -hmm. about, and then let me walk you back to the kind of people that that come to see me, because okay, they they would come to see you if they've already decided they're investigating tele telemedicine and stuff like that. When they come to see me, they come to thehappymd.com, and they come because. We're well known for helping people with burnout. These are people who typically are physically at this point unable to continue in the direction they've been headed. And Einstein's insanity trap has them smashing their face against the wall sometime for years. And the leaders of the organization where they work, usually in a fee-for-service setting, usually with a 70% overhead. By the way, how would you know your overhead if you're listening right now? Take your, your gross collections and subtract what you get in salary and benefits pre-tax. Well, that's the overhead. And it's not uncommon that it's 70% in a big multi-specialty group. So for every dollar that is collected based on your services, you're getting 30 cents. That's about normal. And the people that I see are very burned out. They're sitting in the dirty diaper of a terrible practice. It's time for them to explore some options to get out. And the first thing that stops many of them, because typically they're in the middle of raising their families is they say, I can't leave. It's always difficult. You can. I can't leave because I've got, you know, a, a junior and a senior in high school. I can't leave because mom lives three blocks away and we're taking care of her. I can't leave. I can't leave. I can't leave. That's why this whole topic of location independent work, I think is very, very important because it offers degrees of freedom 
that the people who say I can't change jobs because I can't move, we can take that off the table. So when you say you could do this from here, you could do this from there, tell a little bit about what your lifestyle was like when you were, and again, you were 1099 contracted with several telehealth delivery companies. Can you name some of them? Is that okay? Uh, at the time, sure. Um, Teladoc, ESG, Connect Care, and First Stop Health. Those would be examples. And so these are these are freestanding telehealth companies that hire doctors as a 1099. That's an independent contractor. You haven't got benefits and that kind of, you aren't buying into any profit sharing or anything like that. And you you sign on and you fire up your phone and you don't have to wear pants and you say you take care of patients, right? That that is about it. You have to structure, you have to know what you're doing to optimize your your structure, but you know, this this ain't rocket science. It's not open heart massage. Uh it's just sitting down and doing it. So on an average day, uh say I was down uh in the keys. I would wake up. And, well, hang on a second. Hang on a second, everybody. He's doing this from an RV. <laughs> sure. Sometimes I do it from RV. Sometimes, you know, you rent a condo or whatnot. But right, right. When you don't have the expenses of a home base, all that is is affordable. But even if you do have the expenses of a home base, you know, you just get a pickup truck with a, a cab on the on the back of it. And that's perfectly, perfectly doable. You know, like the, the folks that I deal with uh, are in the situation exactly as you described. And how you move forward is really based on how many, how much resources that you have, both emotional and financial. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet, jump off the treadmill, spend your savings. Okay. I mean, I, you just got to spend your savings in order to recover for a few months until you can wrap your mind about what's next. But if you do have the resources, then you start by creating what's basically your own private practice. But instead of having your own patients, you just contract through these telemedicine providers. And to do it safely, it's important to make sure that you do all the stuff that you need to do for a private practice. You have to construct, you have to have an attorney build a, a legal structure for you, and you got to make sure you got an accountant. And all that stuff sounds like it's a lot of work. It's not really, but it does take resources. And if you're just at the end of your rope and you just can't even visualize that, you know, sometimes you just have to jump off the treadmill for a few months and, and rely on such savings as you have to get you through just for personal survival, if for nothing else. But if you do get to that point, then basically, you know, what I would do is I'd be in an RV, but I'd make sure it's a HIPAA compliant location. And then at five o'clock or so, I'd get up. I'm an early riser. Uh, I would uh, fire up the, the computer. I would uh, put my pour myself a cup of coffee. And I would wait for uh, the calls to start coming in. I would log in to three or four of my favorite platforms. They would all be running simultaneously on my computer in four different windows. Uh, that way, I make sure that I have the volume that I need. I only contract with folks that do on-demand synchronous visits, uh, although uh, there's there's ways that you can use other models. But for what we're describing, these are people that uh, these are uh, platforms where the patient calls. And then the uh, consultation is put on the queue, and then you as the doctor pick it off the queue and you perform the encounter. In my exam, this is all urgent care stuff. So it's uh, you know UTIs, URIs, things that you can blow through safely without any problem. And so I would work for a couple hours picking up those calls, understanding that I have a license in, e in at least one state in each of the time zones. So as the sun moves and the earth turns, 
there's always somebody in a peak time, which are mm, between five to eight in the morning and mm, four to eight in the evening. So I work a couple hours, maybe a couple half, uh, two and a half hours. Then I go about my day. Then in the late afternoon, I sit down and uh, you know have my virgin daiquiri and uh, uh, do the same thing. And you do that wherever you are, whenever you want to. And if you do that and your system is constructed correctly, uh, you can earn the same work in those five hours than you could working at a full-time job. And I really want to emphasize that's the primary care structure, but any kind of non-procedural specialist now has the same opportunities. Uh, it's, sir, it's a little tougher to find a rheumatology, uh, but on the a rheumatology telemedicine service provider, but on the flip side, they're searching for you. And the only thing that you really can't replace uh, in this model is procedural income. So if you're looking to remotely replace procedural income, there are tactics for that. It's beyond the scope of our discussion here. But Dyke, you know, the only way that you are going to be able to make a positive change in your life is to emphasize the word change. You got to do something different. Different and new. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. It's all about Einstein's insanity trap. I mean, when you're looking to have a fulfilling career and you haven't got it where you are right now, you're locked into a little whirlwind of habits and structures that make up your Einstein's insanity trap and, and taking new actions is the way forward. I just want to clarify one quick thing. When we talked about my kinds of clients who come and say, I can't quit because I can't go anywhere. Um, you are talking about using this as a lifestyle to be mobile and on the road and spend time in places that you want to stay where you could uh, surf in the midday pretty much every day if you wanted to. What I'm talking about is this is location independent, meaning if you want to go into a bridge position where you are in a, a position where temporarily you're going to do a little bit different practice, it might settle into something you do long term and be your primary practice for a long period of time. But if you can't leave, right? You can set up your workstation in a back bedroom in the house and do all this from home. Um, I personally know a person right now in one of our communities who was a beatdown ER doc for years. Now she does uh, telehealth exclusively for Kaiser in Oregon, but she lives in North Carolina. <laughs> so she does her shifts from North Carolina for folks at Kaiser in Oregon and Washington state. And she just loves it because she's getting in early on the um, service and she's playing a role in deciding, are we going to prescribe narcotics on this service? Are we going to do this or that setting up protocols and things like that? And she loves it. But yeah, you got to change. You absolutely have to change if you're going to get different results. It's important to understand that these that telemedicine, even with the uh, tempering fire of the pandemic, is still very much in its infancy. And these organizations are not like our health systems. Our health systems don't really make their money off of delivering health care. That's a, that's a broader discussion. But really, they view us, for the most part, as uh, especially non-proceduralists, as loss leaders, as the things that they need to create the image that they're delivering healthcare, but they don't make they don't make any money from us. They're really only interested in controlling our costs. But if you get into these telemedicine organizations, they are desperate for our leadership, and you can make an enormous impact. Many of my former clients are now in leadership at various telemedicine organizations, making that impact. 
And it's very, very gratifying to see. And, and you're right, Doc. Now there's what I just described was where it was in 2016. Now, location independence or working from home is very much acceptable. And not only can you do telemedicine, but there's utilization management opportunities. There's chart reviews. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways where you can kind of pick and choose, put together the type of life that you want to work, but completely location independent and on your own schedule so that uh, you can fulfill your other responsibilities and live a much more balanced life. Yep. And what I'll also say too, and again, it's one of those things where, let me interpret it as we're beat down by the medical education process. So for instance, the way I describe it is you're a light worker. You had a point in time where you were at a fork in the road where you could go to medical school or do anything else. You chose to be a light worker because you wanted to have a life of meaning and purpose and be a helper and a healer, but then you got dropped into the medical education system. I call it the passage through the bowels of the medical education system that lasts at least seven years, four years of med school, three years of residency. That's you and me. We didn't have any fellowships or anything like that. So seven is minimum. And at that point in time, you've been exquisitely trained consciously and subconsciously to be a great resident. What does that, per- what does that mean? You stay inside the lines. You do what you're told, right? You you pretend like you're made of steel. And when you get out, you don't know that you're free. That's the big bear. That's the big transition that's missed at graduation. When you're out and board certified, you are completely independent to do anything you want. But like a good resident, you're just looking for another set of tracks to step onto. When you go interview, they're going to pull your job description off the rack. It's complete boilerplate. It has nothing to do with your ideal job. So burnout is typically a wake up where you're on somebody else's job description. You've gone as far as you could until you've exhausted yourself. And burnout's highest and best use is to put you on a path with more purpose, to put you back on a path where you can make the difference that you want to make. And I'll tell you, a lot of these systems are almost designed as if they were specifically constructed to block your ability to connect with your patients. (laughs) Think about how little time in a day you actually spend. This is what I call the practice of medicine is what happens when the door is closed. Think about how little time you have when the door is closed and how little time that in that setting is actually communication with your patients. I call it take back your practice. This is one way to take back the ability to make a difference as a physician independent of whether whatever expectations that you have based on your past experience because it's almost like my my phrase is it gets better it gets better <laughs> it does get better and experience teaches there's really two barriers to making that career pivot the first is recognizing that yes my life is as bad as it seems and it's not my fault right yes things are crap That's the first one. And the second one is then realizing that there actually are straight, bright lines uh, that now pretty much approximate residencies that you can take on your own initiative that will get you from where you are to where you want to be. The only thing that's lacking is physical action on yourself. And, Um, And when you say straight, bright lines, tell me what you mean. Well, you know, it used to be I had to create this all out of whole cloth. Now, there are any number uh, of uh, coaches that you can call up and say, hey, I, I, wanna, I, I want my life to look like this in, in one year, and they will get you there. 
and it's really that simple. Now you got to pay them, but paying them really lowers the barriers and helps you make that transition. And you name a career path, medical science liaison, working as a lead investigator in biopharma, utilization management, chart review, medical legal advisor. I mean, you name it, there's a bright line for you to take. Whereas 10 years ago, that infrastructure uh, didn't exist at all. So all you have, to, and, and these things are all just a click away in the um, on the internet. But what keeps us from doing that is the prison that is built by ourselves, by believing, internalizing the message that things aren't that bad. And if they are, it's it's just not our fault. Yeah, the good is the enemy of the best. It's like, uh, it's a known evil. If I crank the wheel 100 times, I know I'm going to get 25 cents. So I'm going to crank that wheel enough. But it's in somebody else's system that was never designed for your uh, workload or for your uh, happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things I want you to do, if you're listening right now, is just think about this for a second. If you were to grade your satisfaction with your current practice, whatever you consider to be your current practice, and maybe you're a part-time clinical, part-time leadership, we call that a straddle, right? Think about your current practice, take a breath, and let your awareness just go back over the last couple of weeks. If you were to grade your satisfaction with your practice right now on a zero to 10 scale, zero means it couldn't get any worse. 10 means it couldn't get any better. What's your number? And I encourage you to write that number down if you've got a pen and a piece of paper and then look at that number and ask yourself, am I okay with that? <laughs> is, is that is that the number I want to exert my life force to extract from my current practice? And um, I'll tell you this, the normal range, most doctors feel really good when they're seven or above, really bad when they're four or less. And then my question is, what's the trajectory? Is it going up or down? And if you're four or less and going down, I'm going to encourage you that now's the time to think about sitting back, writing your ideal job description, interviewing to see what other opportunities that are out there. And if this location-dependent work, telehealth, uh, working in ancillary fields with your medical knowledge. What were some of the job positions you just said, Tom? Utilization management, chart review, uh, medical science liaison. The list is very extensive. And if this sounds like a place where you can sit for a while while you get your, your yourself into uh, a headspace where you can contemplate a real career change, a permanent career change, or if that sounds like a destination for you, Tom, what do they do? They come to newscript.app. That's and one path, sure. And you've got and you've got some folks that, that they can talk to. New script S C R I P T. Yep. Dot yes. A P P. And then at that point in time, you'll be introduced to a whole community of folks who are practiced in this art of escape. And um, we also here at the HappyMD.com can help as well because the real key is understanding the first step in our process, which is what is your ideal job description? Not what would you run away from in your current situation, but if it was available to you, what would you run towards? And that's the growth that needs to happen. Let's, uh, let's, I want to make sure that folks out there understand that the passion that we feel for this is born out of a sense of service. Dyke and I really, we should be adjunct faculty at our local medical school. <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is, is that the medical schools are wholly captured by their industry and they do not want our message of independence uh, and self-realization to be spread among their trainees. That would be a poison. 
And I personally, the new script app is really a simply a service. Man, there's nobody getting rich off of doing that. We're doing this because we had a great experience and we had great mentors. And those mentors are gone for you now. The silization and financialization of medicine has removed those mentors. And because there is no space for us to mentor the less experienced clinicians, we created our own space. Podcasts like this, The Happy MD, uh, Newscript.app. I, we're not BSing you that anything we just said is easy, but it is straightforward and it does depend completely on your ability to see beyond your current situation and decide that you're worth a better life. So you have peers that are paying afford to help you find that life in the hopes that when you're in our position, that you will do the same for the folks that come behind you. Yep. And if you're thinking... I have to stay here. It's horrible, but I have to stay here. I have no choice. One of the things I'll say, and this is going to be rather abstract, but it's also true. There are always choices. What varies is your awareness of them. <laughs> and that's one of the most important things. Uh, if you're if you're saying, I, I don't feel like I have choices, that just means have a discovery session with one of our our coaches, because that's what we're there to do, is to show you the choices that are available so that you can see the whole set of options in front of you. Well, Tom, this is awesome. Any last words? You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Do it. Do it. Because as one of my mentors told me, when you step outside the system and use your expertise, not only will you be amazed at the amount of revenue you can generate for yourself, you'll be astonished at the quality of life that you will lead. Right on. And then there's a there's a quote. I'm trying to remember this quote about don't follow somebody else's path, step off the path and leave a trail <laughs> or something like that, right? Awesome. So this has been uh, me and Tom Davis, uh, newscript.app. It's a community of support for doctors who are in career pivots. Tom, we're going to do this again, I promise. And when we do, all of you folks on the podcast list will be the first to notice. So Dyke Drummond at the home of The Happy MD in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Have a great rest of your day and your week. Keep breathing and hang in there. You can do it. Let's help you get out if you want to get out. And you go make a difference if you're with your patients if you're in a place that feels right.